morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, the 6th of July. Marcus, what have you got for us? What have I got for you, Ben? What a sharp group of individuals you are. I don't think you've heard our <laughs> earlier conversation. All right, we have a very polarized market. Doesn't really matter what the index is doing today. Dow Jones was down 129 after coming back from holiday. We had a 17 point rise yesterday after the RBA 50 basis point rate rise, which was in the price, and the market actually went up after that. And the SPY futures were down 64 today, but I think our market's sort of floating around down 10, something like that. The interesting part of overnight and the whole theme today is technology stocks or growth stocks doing a lot better than particularly resources stocks. NASDAQ was up 1.75%. Meanwhile, resources got belted. You had Anglo-American down 8.3% overnight, Glencore down 8%, Alcoa down 6%, Freeport McMoran down 6.6%, the copper price down 4.2%. Copper's now 29% off the top. And actually more interesting is aluminium, which is seen as the metal which is most geared into economic growth. That is 41% off the top. The Iron ore price, by the way, is 29% off the top. It's actually up 3% today. But our resources sector getting absolutely belted today. And the oil price is part of the reason for that. The oil price is down 9%. But you've got to ask, why is the oil price down 9%? There are a whole host of reasons today. China has decided to do 25 million COVID tests in three days after an outbreak at a karaoke bar. So I think you could probably put your hand up and say, oh, I'm, I don't sing. Or you could just sing and go, I don't need to be tested. Because if you've got a rubbish voice, you obviously weren't there. But oil price down 9%. Worries about Chinese lockdowns and recession fear is dominating. The US dollar was up a massive 1.3% last night. The euro down 1.7%. Euros at a 20 year low now. And you'll probably see Boris Johnson getting himself into trouble. His Chancellor of the Exchequer resigned overnight, plus another senior minister. They're worrying about sexual misconduct and his way of setting standards in government. And the other feature overnight was US bond yields have taken a big dive. They're actually down almost 0.7 of a percent from the recent top, yet official rates have gone up 75 or 0.75%. So market rates are talking about recession. The official interest rates are now, you might suggest they're getting ahead of the curve on inflation. They might be getting behind the curve on recession because uh, interest rates going up officially, but down in the markets. And the second, the two and 10 year bond yields have reversed for the third time in the US, which of course is a precursor to recession, or at least every recession that has happened. So Tom will tell us how the stocks are going in the market this morning. But I think the theme is obvious. We've got recession fear overseas and some relief for interest rate sensitive stock. Very nice. Thank you, Marcus. Tom, what's happening locally today? Thank you, Ben. Well, our market is up 18 points, better than what our futures had indicated. Growth names outperforming value as bond yields tumble, tech and consumer discretionary names bid convincingly higher. Energy and miners are sliding as commodity prices fall on those recession concerns. BHP, Rio, Woodside and Santos all down more than 3%. Sims Metal, SGM, has repeated FY22 guidance. Incitec Pivot IPL has announced a new CFO for its standalone fertilizers business. And Gold Row GOR has some quarterly production numbers out. No major economic data due today. We do have FOMC minutes tonight, which will be keenly watched, Ben. Great stuff. Thank you, Tom. Layden? 
Anything much out of the brokers? Thank you, Ben. There's a little bit going on this morning. Morgan's has reviewed its forecast for stocks under its automotive coverage. They're expecting weakening consumer demand and limited upside for near-term vehicle supply in Australia. And this comes after June, new vehicle deliveries were down 9.7% on the previous corresponding period. The broker has noted that while industry commentary has remained positive on demand, cost pressures have increased and US consumer demand has started to weaken. So Morgan's has lowered its target prices for a number of stocks under its coverage, and but they've still got ad recommendations for Eagers Automotive, Motorcycle Holdings, and Peter Warren Automotive, and their target prices there are all around 40 to 50% above the current share prices. And also looking at Oz Minerals, they've been upgraded to an ad at Morgan's, and that's just on a valuation basis, but the broker has lowered its 2022-23 earnings forecasts by about 8 to 13%, and the target price has fallen from $26.65 to $23.12, but this still implies a 32% upside. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Leighton. Henry, what do you've got for us today? Uh, thanks, Ben. In terms of what I've got for us today, the rally that we're seeing at the moment is being uh, exaggerated by thin volume again yesterday was a pretty depressing day in terms of volumes but some of the stocks the dogs are most definitely barking at the moment things like mp1 megaports up 13 percent 360 which i'm talking about on the call later today is up nine and a bit percent zero up 8.6. So we are seeing a big, big bounce back in some of those stocks that got pummeled as uh, June unfolded with tax loss selling. So interesting to see that happening at the moment. But as I say, volumes still remain low. As far as what I wrote about today, just looking at the oil price, I had written many times and expressed this on this podcast a few times about one day I'd wake up and the oil price was down 10%. And lo and behold, finally, it did happen as that crowded trade where everyone seemed to be long oil and waiting for hurricanes season and waiting for uh, more events to unfold in Ukraine really couldn't work in the face of the headwind of recession, not only in Europe, but also in the US as well, which is fast becoming a reality. So uh, the oil price created commodity prices came under pressure, obviously, on the back of the US dollar. So talking today about the gold sector as well, which has been interesting to say the least, there is some consolidation going on that. The gold companies pretty well stocked up with cash. They've had a reasonably good time in Aussie dollar terms because although bullion has fallen in US dollar terms, Aussie dollar terms, it has remained relatively high until recently. So they have been stuffed full of cash and there are deals being done. We saw Gold Road take over DGO, which has a big holding in DeGray. And we also saw yesterday Genesis make a bid for Dacian. So the one that I've been looking at is Regis Resources. RRL is the stock code there. And uh, you will remember that last week, Twiggy Forest did an all or none share rate on that one for 15% of the stock stock at $1.48 and failed to get the stock, so walked off into the sunset. But that clearly, he's got nearly 5% of that stock still, so that clearly he has ambitions on that, and we might see further consolidation in the sector. So that is interesting. But at the moment, it's very much a case of all the dogs, all the stuff that got sold off is bouncing quite hard. So if you're a short-term trader and you're looking to make some money, this is the time. Even Zip's up 12% today, and even Mesoblast is up 9.5%. So there you go. Apart from that, that's about it. I'm on the call today later. Very nice. Thank you, Henry. It'd be quite a nice life being Twiggy, just throwing offers around at whatever company takes your eye. Yeah, no, the, the, little, the little tinker has uh, put up the price of one of my favorite commodities, which is really annoying because now he's, he's put up the price of RM Williams boots, um, <laughs> I didn't see which that. are already ridiculously priced. 
Um, now he's going to put another 50 bucks apparently on them. So mm. it certainly puts me out of the market. I'm reduced to buying secondhand ones. <laughs> secondhand boot market about to explode. About to explode, Ben. About to explode. Nice. There's a hot tip. Thank you, Henry. A couple of fresh ideas today. Chris, welcome back. Thank you. What's your idea today? Thank you, Ben. So I'm taking a look at Rio Tinto today in light of the fact that I think there's a bit of a dilemma that investors are facing. I think there's a lot of people on the register who are probably holding Rio Tinto and the other big miners, of course, BHP and Fortescue for their upcoming dividends. So Goldman has the dividend pegged for Rio Tinto as that $12.60 Australian per share. With 100% franking, that's a grossed up yield of around 18%. So it's very impressive. And we mustn't forget that mining dividends have been really strong for about the last five years. But the miners are cyclical and traditionally they're not great dividend payers. And certainly there's some analysts up and down the street that are starting to run that idea that in future periods, the dividends won't be anywhere near as good. So the question I'm posing today is how do you handle it if you're a short-term investor or a long-term income investor? And the answer that I've landed on is if you're short-term, well, you probably will collect the dividend and then get out of there quickly and move on. Otherwise, you could just avoid the situation altogether. Of course, remembering that the stock will fall by the amount of the dividend on the ex-div date in any case. If you're a long-term investor, you probably don't need to worry so much. So you'd stay and collect the dividend, which is what we'll be doing in the, the dividend portfolio, which you'll talk to Ben in just a moment. And then the bigger question for those long-term investors, like I said earlier, is whether or not those companies can continue to pay those dividends into the future. And as I said, there's already a number of analysts suggesting that won't be possible. But I think, as I said, you stay in, you collect, and then you reassess. Very nice. Thank you, Chris. Tom, you've got a fresh idea? I do, Ben. Zero Resources, one I've talked up before on Ausbiz, but it has a quarterly update, July 21, and that's ahead of results, which are normally early September, just highlighting some expectations around production numbers which they had some in April that highlighted a really strong outlook for the coming quarter that has just passed. The graphite price is still holding up better than most commodities. The main point is if you like the battery story and want to get exposure to a company at a bit of a discount, Syra SYR is one to look at. The only thing I'd say is that it's likely to be a bit of a bumpy road for the next few months, given the slowing economic growth concerns and the pressure on the market. But as those wash through, it could be a good opportunity. Very nice. Thank you, Tom. Marcus, you've got an idea? Oh, I just had a technical observation. I thought I'd start dropping some of these into the fresh ideas section. Just a technical observation that Clinuvel Pharmaceutical CUV popped up on our scan. It's one that's been hanging around in the very oversold scan, which means they've got an RSI under 20 and it's ticked uh, an RSI buy signal first turnaround it's had in a while. The directors were big sellers last year. I don't know any fundamental justification for buying the stock. I do see on Stockopedia, they've got its bankruptcy risk at zero. So presumably a strong balance sheet. And the numbers do look quite interesting. Anyway, anyone interested, that's not a recommendation, really. It's just an observation. Anyone interested who has been in it before, especially with the market turning a bit more positive towards growth stocks or high PE stocks, it might be time to dust off your research. Have a look. And it is down 65% since I think September last year. So it's been yeah. on a slide, you could say, but uh, yeah, interesting. Thank you, Marcus. We've got our weekly check-in for our income investors section today, which I'll give a brief overview of. We've put in the dividend portfolio check-in. So we've got a few little points there that we'll visit each week. There was no changes made to the portfolio last week. We've got a link to the portfolio, which you can always find in the static portfolio holdings page. Our main concerns 
at the moment are upcoming dividends, which we do have listed in the section. Metcash is the only one of our holdings has a dividend coming up. August reporting season is obviously one of our big concerns approaching that and holding iron ore miners, as Chris wrote about in the Fresh Ideas, is the other thing that's playing on our minds. Chris obviously has outlined what our strategy is there. We've got our last week performance there. We'll check that in each week. Last week was a down week, but we did fare a bit better than the market thanks to our higher cash holding. And we put in the portfolio X-Ray, which I introduced last week, which is from Stockopedia with the bubbles, shows how our portfolio is sitting in their quality versus value rankings. So it's a good little check-in, make sure nothing's sliding away from us or had any big downgrades or anything. So interesting to check that out there. And then on top of that, or underneath that in reality, we've got an education piece, as Marcus has been saying, education by osmosis. So for the income investors, we've got a little piece on what are franking credits and why they exist and what is the 45-day rule that you need to get your head around if you want to be collecting franking credits. So I won't go through that now, but if that is of interest to you, make sure you head to the income investors section. That wraps that up. Marcus, what have you Got the strategy. I'm just looking at the static page of the dividend portfolio, and it's interesting how well that portfolio has performed running or whilst the market's been selling off, that has performed really well. The since inception, this portfolio is up 8.5% against per annum, against the ASX 200 up 3.6% per annum. So it comes into its own when the market stuffs up. Yeah, it's been a good 18 months for the income style stocks in general. Right. Otherwise, strategy today is much as I was talking about this morning, I am seeing or what you can clearly see today, and you have to wonder whether it's going to carry on, is this rotation out of resources in particular, but cyclical stocks as well, back into growth stocks, technology stocks, some of the hot stocks, the high PE stocks. I see stocks like Aristocrat Leisure, Domino's, Nick Scarly, REA, car sales, all doing well. These are the stocks that absolutely punished us when the market started coming off because as they did in 2018 in that taper tantrum, you've got high quality stocks like Aristocrat Leisure that dropped about 45% when the market was down about 25% in the taper tantrum. And again, they've massively underperformed in this recent sell-off. So some legs uh, reappearing under those stocks at the moment and the small stocks. I can't help thinking that you don't buy anything though. The strategy still has to be, if recession is the theme, the strategy still has to be happy to stay in cash. We are probably getting a relief rally in these things. It's hard to see them charging off in another bull market for technology stocks at this stage in the game. So still in cash in the strategy portfolio. If you were to buy anything, we'd probably buy, say, a NASDAQ ETF, but even that I'm not confident enough to be doing that at this stage. So I think we're seeing a bit of a bottoming in the technology stuff. The reason for that, of course, is because interest rates, uh, bond yields in particular, are coming off very rapidly. And that lifts pressure rather than, I think, lights a rocket under these stocks. And there's no reason really to buy it just because things aren't as bad as they were. So it's still in cash and strategy. And watching these resources going wrong, as I've written earlier this week, I think there is a fabulous opportunity coming up in resources. It is a long duration trading sector. We've clearly seen the top. We are now looking for the bottom, but I wouldn't hold your breath. It depends how this recession fear goes. Uh, we could be here for some months watching these sectors go nowhere. So still in cash and no sign of changing that at this point. I think you might find the FOMC minutes tonight 
are more upbeat. They've been quite upbeat on the US economy. So you could see a bit of a relief rally tonight. But we've got the US CPI number next week, which is pivotal. And that is more risk than reward. Does inflation peak? It could do. And then we've got the US results season coming up. And then we've got our own results season coming up. All of that seems more risky after the last six months than likely to reward. So still just going to wake up every morning and make decisions. And the decision today is not to buy anything. Very nice. Thank you, Marcus. Our question of the day today is a little quick challenge for everyone to present a pairs trade, which is traditionally a long and a short in two stocks with a high correlation. Those that haven't heard of a pairs trade before, basically looking for two moves that will act as a hedge with each other. And if you're getting in the news, gritty to be a mispricing to produce some sort of arbitrage but that's what we're looking for so tom have you got a pairs trade yes and this is a, with a short-term perspective i would be selling a fuel etf i think it's a bit of shares fuel etf and buying qual which is the ex australia msci world index and that has a lot of tech companies in it from the us apple amazon netflix and it's done terribly in this sell-off. Yes, it has. Very nice, Leighton. I've just gone to buy growth, sell energy sort of theme with buy zero, sell Santos. Very good. Chris? I would buy the US dollar index and I would sell the Goldman Sachs commodity index. Henry? Sell the US, buy China. Nice. Marcus? A bit of a boring one, this one. And it is, I think they'll both go down. But in terms of a pairs trade, the S&P growth index has been destroyed. There's an ETF called the S&P growth ETF. That is IVE, I think it is. And there is a S&P value ETF, which has done much better than the growth ETF in this recent sell-off. And I think that'll reverse. So mine would be buy the S&P growth ETF, sell the S&P value ETF against it. Very nice. And quickly, mine was a double buy for a hedge, buy Credit Corp and buy CBA, because if we head towards a recession and we have people struggling with debts, Credit Corp's going to increase their activity and CBA is going to turn down with increasing bad and doubtful. So good one, man. That's good. Thanks, Chris. That's that. Thanks, guys. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you.